0: Hello and welcome to The View from the Ninion. I'm Scott Salter and this week I'm joined by my co-host Mr. Ben Price and we're chatting about Cardiff City 3 points 1-0 win against Middlesbrough last weekend. We're also looking forward to a doubleheader the weekend against Hull and midweek the welcoming of QPR to the Cardiff City Stadium. Enjoy! Well, as usual, joining me, I've got Mr. Ben Price. How's it going, Ben?
1: Not bad, buddy. How's it going?
0: Yes, not too bad, thank you. Recording this off a win. It feels like a little while since we've we've said that. We've had quite a few draws, but it was a win last weekend for Cardiff City, a 1-0 home win against Middlesbrough. What are your kind of initial assessments? So we go a bit more in depth, you know, what your reaction to the game?
1: Um, I think it was probably our best performance of the season. Um I sort of feel suddenly with everything that sort of happened over the last few weeks and that result, that sort of weight's been lifted off my shoulders. If you get me just on one result sort of right. We didn't score. We didn't do this we didn't do that, but suddenly it sort of seems like everything's sort of fallen into place. Um, I'm really happy with how it went. Sort of the game wasn't a classic. It never is Cardiff versus Middlesbrough, but how everything sort of went, it was, um, yeah, it was a really positive result and everyone sort of seemed happy with it.
0: Yeah. And you know, it was a uh, Ashley Fletcher own goal, wasn't it? That obviously um, sealed the win, or, or the only goal of, of the game. Kind of pretty dominant. I don't think Middlesbrough particularly threatened too much, although they had, you know, uh, I think it was eleven shots, slightly more than than Cardiff. But, you know, there wasn't it wasn't too worrying. I don't think. Um, do you do you worried slightly that Cardiff? Uh, Failing to, to score the chances that they're creating, or, or do you think it's what it's, it'll come?
1: It's a mix of both, really. um At no stage during the game, sort of when Cardiff are 1 0 up, normally I've spent if we score in the second minute, I spent 88 minutes with my head buried in my hands pretending we're not going to concede a goal because I'm panicked that we're going to do that. But I don't know, it was something special about Borough that I didn't think that they were ever really going to score. Um, I felt comfortable at 1 nil that that was the game killed off there and then there was nothing about borough that saw me think that um borough were going to score i think morrison and flint dealt with the somber brilliantly other than that they had nothing i thought they were really really poor from a side that i expected a lot more for um we've looked at the stats 11 shots on target uh, 11 shots zero on target sort of says everything about their issues um we got the goal from a fortunate own goal but i think we could probably could have killed the game off on our own without needing that own goal Um it was it was a comfortable victory in the end um,
0: but does it worry you that if that own goal hadn't have been scored it would be another another draw or do you think yes. it's, it's, it's irrespective because we might have pushed on and scored
1: it's a mix of both I think no one was expecting Glatzel to miss out through illness and say with Vassell um, it was sort of a job done sort of game um, we got the three points that sort of matters. I think if it had come to it, we still would have buried it. We weren't really, we got the first goal and we didn't really push that second. We had chances, but no one really scored. I think later on the season, if we were sort of December time and we only won that game 1-0, I'd be a lot more concerned than where we are now. Um, it was, a com- like I said, it was comfortable. They offered nothing. We probably should have beaten three or 4 nil. Um Right now, when things are starting to take into place, I'm not going to panic too much. It's a very positive performance. The defence looks so solid. For the first time, probably all season, I've not panicked that we're going to concede a few goals and they get in front. I felt Morrison and Flynn were absolutely outstanding, controlled the game, sort of read every pass that Middlesbrough put putting into place. They didn't really have a lot to worry about. Smithy's had a comfortable as a game as you're ever going to get in a fucking Cardiff City defence. <laughs> it's just nice and simple. It's just, it was one of those where defence... It fell into place and felt like two seasons ago. Whereas like, it's still not going to happen. We, lo- we lost our main outlet when when uh, Glazier drops injured, uh, drops ill. Sorry, it's I'm not expecting us to score three goals then. If it was Glatzel up top and we only won one nil, then probably we'd look at it and say, look, this was a bit concerning. But the way it is, it was three points. It was job done. Everyone was positive. Everyone was happy leaving the stadium. It's time to move on to the next game and look at Holloway.
0: And you know, you mentioned it there, and one of the the early criticisms when Cardiff were kind of were struggling for form or to find their best form was that this didn't look like a Neil Warnock side. They weren't playing like we saw them two years ago, like every good Neil Warnock side does. That that control defensively and solidity, and you know, harassing the pressure and being direct but with purpose that was missing. But the last few weeks there's kind of draws to get back on our feet a bit, uh, and in this game especially, this looked like a Neil Warnock side, didn't it? This looked like Cardiff City at our best, as we as we know they can be.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say we're at our best. I think this much, I think we're going to see far better from this side. as now everything's starting to click into place. But it's reflecting um, more. Oh best. yeah, it's def it's definitely along the right lines. This is sort of one where I've sort of walked away and gone. I finally understand what we're doing for the season. This is what we want for the rest of the season. This is how we want to play. This is this is how Neil Warnock sees this side for the rest of the season. And I was happy with how it went. Um, there's definitely improvements, especially in front of goal and in the field, creating chances. I think there's a lot more players can do. But the three points were there. It was wrapped up pretty comfortably, and Millsbridge not anything, anything. Um, Defensively, like I said, I thought the four at the back were very good. I thought Bennett had his best game of the season. Peltier, a solid 6.5, 7 out of 10 for the, as per usual. It was just all pretty comfortable at the back, and that's why I've sort of probably, as much as we've been looking to try and get the goals, we want to dominate a team. The worry has been the goals that we've see that we didn't concede before. And it sort of felt that Morrison and Flint finally got that understanding. The centre backs with the full backs got that understanding. It all sort of fell into place there. And we sort of got that one goal. And that was good enough to see the game out.
0: Yeah. We, we spoke last week, didn't we, about the threat that Middlesbrough might, you know, pose to Cardiff. And, and it was Britta Sombelonger that we. And and, and most fans and and everyone like kind of pinpointed as the danger. And we spoke about the danger being if Middlesbrough can get him in behind Flint and Morrison. That's when he could cause danger. And if Cardiff were going to be successful, they needed to, you know, keep everything in front of the centre half, didn't they? Keep that play in front of them. They can see it. Um, And they absolutely did that. And, you know, some longer, I don't remember, a clear chance where he got in behind or at least... And, you know, looking at the stats of, of the aerial jewels, one and Morrison won eight, Flint won five. You know, they were really strong in the air. Everything was in front of them. And that game plan was executed really well.
1: Oh, exactly. I think we knew exactly where the threat was coming from. The players knew where it was coming from. And it was a game plan executed perfectly. Um, I don't think ever this was going to be a 3 4 nil win. I don't think Neil Warnock ever saw it as that. He saw it as a... 1-0, 2-0 victory that could really kickstart our season. I think that's where the fans sort of needed it to be. The defence was solid. We kept it a very... And I think when we look back, I don't know if we'll appreciate how important this clean sheet was for the centre-backs and the goalkeeper of just saying, look, after everything we've sort of been through, this was this was solid. This was the best Flint's been. This was the best Morrison's been. This was the best Bennett's been. Uh, this was arguably the best Peltier's been. That's what you want at the centre-backs. They kept everything so comfortable. Nothing too fancy, nothing too silly. It was just a comfortable position, a comfortable victory against a side that could have caused us problems. I thought the way Morrison and Flint dealt with the Sambalonga was absolutely superb. He just couldn't get into the game and that's a full credit to those players. They did really well to control that and stop that from happening.
0: Absolutely. And in midfield as well, it was, it was a weird battle, wasn't it, in that, Middlesbrough lined up with uh, in a 3 5 2 system and kind of the their three central midfielders uh, George Savile, Adam Clayton, and Paddock McNair. Neither of them are particularly creative, neither of them will particularly look to kind of break the lines and, and burst forward from midfield. And so it was kind of a, a you know, the way you saw it in Rawls and Bakuna are very similar in that sense, aren't they? They very much let Murphy, White, and whoever's at 10. Get forward and support the thing, and they're trying to arrive late in the box if they can. But it was a very industrious midfield battle.
1: Yeah, I think um, if you look at as defensive point of view, um, all of them sort of played a part to keep that clean sheet. I thought White defensively was absolutely superb. I thought and Warnock defensively, touched on
0: that, didn't he? said he said uh, Peltier will be in the England squad if he carries on with White in front of him.
1: Oh, massively, he was. It was just brilliant. It was a really comfortable. Peltier made. Uh, sorry, White made Peltier's job look easy. When it wasn't, it really wasn't. He played really well to get the clean sheets. But um, that's the best White has offered as far as defensively. Well, just I looking still at think the
0: stats, that... White made more tackles than anyone on the pitch. It, it oh, both that shows you. Yeah, you, seven you, look at, you, look
1: at, you look at the YouTube highlights where they showed the um, tackle. I think it was Fletcher. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, where he just took the ball off him. And just sort of went forward with it. He was superb defensively. There's a lot more to go from White as far as going forward, I think. I'm not going to criticise him because I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Um, But there's a lot more to go going forward from him than there is defensively. I think his defensive game, he really understands what Neil Warnock wants from him, uh, what this team need from him. It's just going forward now where the improvements need to be made. But again, he sort of looks better than he has each game, he's improving. Each game, Murphy um, was improving. I thought Murphy was absolutely outstanding the first 10, 15 minutes until it became clear that he's really not right. He wasn't well. and Which we think he's uh, affected
0: he, by the same bug that's kept Glatzel out, don't we? I think that was yeah, the word. Yeah, 100%.
1: Here. You could see um, he was on my side. The first half, he was holding his stomach. He looked like he was sitting down and pulling a Gary Lineker a couple of times where sure. he was fo- Like, the pass wasn't the only thing following through there. Um, he was struggling. But um, the first 10 minutes, he really caused those fullbacks problems. He was putting some fantastic balls in. He'd run it. It was Murphy at his best. And I was really, really positive and really excited to see that happen. And it was a shame he went off when he did. Um, we've given him... I I say we, I've given him sort of harsh criticism for how he's done throughout uh, the start of the season. But that looked like it was at his best. And it was just really unfortunate that he became ill throughout the game and had to come off. Because I think if he had stayed on the pitch, we'd have scored two or three and won comfortably. It would be even more positive than what it is right now.
0: Absolutely. And again, Bakuna impressed again. And him and Wyatt are kind of uh, two players that, the opinion and the consensus amongst Cardiff fans has changed, even in the last couple of weeks. You know, you only have to go back a few weeks, and people were slating Bakuna. People were questioning why White was getting in the side ahead of Hoylert. Um and suddenly the reactions after the game, the the praise for both of them, shows a real you know transformation and and how well they've both done.
1: Yeah, we've had, we had a solid probably what thirty minutes straight of that Bakuna song in the Canton. <laughs> um, it's been in my head. We're recording on a Wednesday. It's been on my it's been in my head since three o'clock on Friday on Saturday. It's one of those the fans have really started to take to him. They appreciate look, better this. than this show Rawls song. Oh God, yeah, don't just don't don't <laughs> ruin my night, please. Um, he's really worked hard to get the fans on side. He went through a horrific tragedy. I I don't I think if it's any other country, sort of a bigger name country, even in the African even on the African continent. Um I think more to be made in the press of what just what he's been through mm-hmm. over the last few weeks. He lost a teammate that at twenty, I see twenty nine I think he was, had a heart attack and died. And they still played the next day and won the game comfortably, and he's gone on to play three games in a week and done really well in each of those games. Um I don't think fans appreciate just how hard that is to do real it's test not like to his it, character, isn't it? Oh massively. It's, um, I really respect him for it. Um, I wasn't sure. I'm still not convinced he's the player to take us through and make us a um, top two championship side. But seeing how he's performed the last few weeks, he's definitely someone you want in the trenches with you. That is unbelievable character to go through. What he's gone through and come out how playing how he has. Um, I know he did well for his international side. And on um, Saturday, I thought he was really, really good. I thought it's probably for the first time this season he's outperformed rules. he deserved every bit of praise he got. He was absolutely a He deserves a lot more credit from the Cardiff City faithful than what he's getting at the moment despite the chant.
0: And it's you know we still got Marlon Pack to come back and I think for for a while the expectation amongst pretty much everyone was that Pack would come in for Bakuna. But Bakuna's done so well recently and improved so much. I would make a case for bringing Pack in for either Patton or Tomlin in that ten, and and playing with a deeper midfield three than than dropping Bakuna and giving Bakuna Rawls a bit more of a license to get forwards. Um, I don't know if that will happen because because Warlock does like that that ten position, doesn't he? But you know, it gives him a real selection headache, and you know, Bakuna's done everything that he can to kind of keep hold of that shirt.
1: Bakuna's done the last few weeks, probably since the Reading game, in fairness. Um, everything he can to keep that shit like you said um, I think probably four weeks ago it was a lot more obvious that Pac comes into that side and drops straight back in but right now I think you drop either of those two midfielders it's really harsh on either of them Um, yeah Bakuna's done a lot to sort of give Warnock something to think about if Pac is fit for Hull on Saturday I don't think he comes into the first 11 whereas sort of three weeks ago I think it was a in my head, anyway, it was a straight swap, swap Bakuna for Pack. But the way Bakuna's been playing, he sort of made it a lot more difficult for the manager to drop him. And that's all you want from a player. He was just, regardless of the circumstances, I think if you looked at his stats and how he played on Saturday, you'd be happy with that performance anyway, never mind sort of what's gone on in his personal life over the last two weeks.
0: And, you know, one of the things that um, frustrates me or or perhaps makes me not question Neil Warnock's in question's position, but I wonder what's going through his head is is this use of substitutes. You know, there was a few weeks ago when we were trying to, you know, get a winner somewhere, I can't remember which game it was, and he made a sub in like, made the third sub in like the 87th minute and brought brought Bogle on, I think it was, and it's like, well, what really, you know, not much of a chance to to try and win a game. And, and you know, we've got three substitutes, he only used when there's some players on, on the bench that could really, you know, do with, with a couple of minutes, you know, Mendersland still coming back, Will Volks, you know, we've we've barely seen. He's he's not played barely any minutes recent games, has he? And you know, Tomlin again is kind of coming back from that, that whiplash. Do you think that's uh, does 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 that strike you as strange not using the three subs or or does it not really bother you?
1: Not really. I sort of look I'm looking at the team now and I think who on that bench, realistically, with the time it was left when we really were on top of the game, and could have finished that game off, would have made the difference. I still think it takes ten, fifteen minutes for to get the best out of Mendes. Um Lee Tomlin. I think he needs to start and play sixty minutes, not come off the bench and make the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Ward, when he came on, didn't really do a lot. Will Volks isn't a player that's going to score a last-minute winner from 30 yards out with a screamer. Um, Yeah, there wasn't a lot on that bench that I'd have sort of thought, all right, we need to get this player on. Um, It's one of those, yeah, it's frustrating that we didn't use that third substitute and try and push for the second goal. But the timings when you sort of think you'd made that third substitution, there was no one really there to make that third substitution. And I think that's more of the issue than the timings of when the substitution's made and who's coming off off that bench
0: and you mentioned Danny Ward came on and you know didn't particularly do too much I know what your opinions are on Danny Ward I find him a bit of a a baffling player in that Cardiff fans just seem to be desperate for him to to play and and come on and and uh, you know always make a case for him and I don't know about you but I've not particularly seen much beyond hard work and and work rate to suggest that he's a you know, deserving of a, a starting position. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but
1: it's a tough one with him. Um, look, Scott summed it Scott Johnson um, summed it up perfectly in one of our chats the other day, uh, talking about Gavin White. Cardiff City fans love a tryer. And I don't think he's played for Cardiff City and thought, you know what? He hasn't tried. He hasn't worked his absolute nuts off to get us that three points. And I think that's why Avery Cardiff fans desperate for him to succeed. He was half of that team. I think he was really hard done by by losing that number nine shirt, to be honest. Um, he didn't get much of an opportunity in the Prem. When he did, he got the goal against Arsenal. He didn't do a lot wrong. He's not going to be the goal scorer that gets us 10, 15 goals a season, but there's a lot worse players to have in that squad, especially when you're trying to see a comfortable draw out. Danny Ward will do the dirty work. Danny Ward will see a game out and sort of... I sort of like... This sounds weird, but I see him as sort of a striker Don Cowie, if that (laughs) makes sense. Of When you've got that 1-0, there's not many players I'd want to bring on more than Danny Ward to sort of see that 1-0 out and sort of make it more comfortable. So if Um, if
0: Glatzler had played up front on Saturday and you've got Bogle and and Danny Ward on the bench, you'd bring Ward on to see how that 1-0 win?
1: Oh, 100%. I thought Bogle was really good at times on Saturday. Um, he sort of encourages the players to play on the floor and sort of get the ball moving a lot more than we do with Glatzelov. Sort of we see this six foot, whatever player, whatever size he is and sort of hoof it up to him. Bogle's not that big. He wants the ball on the floor. I still think Glatzel wants the ball on the floor, but we seem to sort of play it on the floor to him and create more chances. Um, he probably could have done better with his header, but out of the two of them, if you're seeing a 1-0 out and you want to make it comfortable, Danny Ward's a player you bring on, not Bogle. If you're looking for a if it's a one 0 draw and you're one nil behind and you're trying to get that equalizer, then you bring Bogle on. It's sort of as far as the striking options go, it's a nice option to be, to be honest. Um, you can't complain with those two options of seeing a game out or sort of looking for that killer instinct. It's a nice position to be in that sort of we haven't really had. Um yeah, like I said, I don't I don't think Danny Ward's gonna score us fifteen goals and get us promoted, but he's definitely gonna win us a few points with his defensive work rate and how he plays off the ball more than
0: anything. Absolutely. Well, then we'll leave it there on the Borough game. After the break, we're going to be chatting Hull and QPR.
1: We're
0: off the back of that when Ben, we're going into a double header, another midweek game coming up after Saturday, a trip to Hull, uh, Obviously, you know, really good memories of the last time we, we went to hold that Sean Morrison won the goal. Uh, hopefully we'll see another one like that.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't be bad, would it? Um sort of Sean Morrison turning to you, um I would say you, Ian Cruyff, but I think a more accurate representation is the greatest player of our day and time is Hal Robson Carney. <laughs> and sort of Cruyff turning in and finishing and like that. It's um Every time yeah, I watch a... it I'm just
0: amazed by it.
1: Yeah, you sort of sort of think and go, Oh yeah, I forgot he's actually good at football isn't he he's not just a lump that can sort of throw it along and sort of head it on like he's a decent footballer um but like sort of we've had sort of a good sort of record at hull haven't we it's sort of been one of those grounds that if we've got something out of it it's sort of been an important result um who can forget fraser campbell's equalizing penalty like the ninth in like the whatever minute it was after the penalty shout yeah um and doing that amazing celebration of oops i've done it but um yeah it's um it's a special ground for us i think hull uh, the kc and um yeah i think i fancy doing it they've sort of it's a, i think they're a team in transition they sort of look like they could kick on and sort of really push for the playoffs if they kept uh Nigel Atkinson, but that hasn't happened They've lost a few players. Obviously, David Marshall's gone to Wigan, who did really well last year. Fraser Campbell, who scored, I think it's the first time he's got over 10, uh, 10, 12 goals in a season since he played for us, has gone to um, Huddersfield. They've lost a few. This sort of seems to be in a bit of another rebuilding process. So it needs to be sort of one of those games where we're looking to finally get those back to back wins for us.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned you know, a change of manager this summer. Grant McCann's come in from, uh, I think it was Doncaster, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, they came. We also did did really well. They lost in the in the playoffs uh, last year. I think it was. So you know, it's a transition for for him to come into into the championship. You know, it's it's only a, a league's difference, but it's is a completely different setup and style of play and stuff like that. So you know, an interesting year for Hull in that you know, like I said, they lost a couple of players, new manager coming in. You know, tough to adapt to a new style and stuff like that. And this starts the season largely reflects that, doesn't it? Three losses, three draws and, and two wins. They're in fourteenth on nine points, three points behind Cardiff in thirteenth. And like I said, one of those teams you could see them making a push for the playoffs, or if it really went south, you know, struggling and, and kind of getting involved in a relegation battle.
1: Yeah, it sounds weird, but I think the January transfer window is going to be massive for them. I think if they keep players like uh Jared Bowen Um, I think that's huge for them. I think then they can kick on and look for a playoff promotion. But if the club's owners sort of look to cash in on those assets and say, look, we're not going to get promoted. We need to look at selling on. Then realistically, they are looking for a relegation battle. It's sort of they're in a really weird position where they could if they made it to playoffs, you wouldn't be surprised. But if they were relegation fodder again, you wouldn't be too surprised. It's a really strange one, shows just how tough the championship is this year.
0: Yeah, they're the type of team that you know you can see them going on a good run and kind of falling off maybe around the Christmas time where there's that really busy schedule and some of the teams that maybe rely on a, a star man like Hull with Jared Bowen. You know, it's a lot of games. If you've got to rest him or get injuries or struggles with form. Then you could really see them kind of dropping dropping in form and drifting away a bit. And Ben in the last game he kind of, you know, showed the quality that, that they can have at how they beat Luton 3 0 and uh, Kamal Grisicki got a goal, but two goals from Kevin Stewart, the uh, ex Liverpool man, who's, you know, more of a defensive midfielder from what I've seen of him. So two goals there. But, you know, it shows that, that they can score goals, that they, you know, do have a bit of quality about them and they could potentially you know pose a threat to Cardiff,
1: yeah they've seem to have sort of that nice sort of instinct of uh, goals from all over the pitch, like I said Stuart's more of that sort of holding midfielder role, but he's picking up with a couple of goals uh Grosinski, was he two in uh he's a goal every game at the moment in the championship four in eight um yeah they sort of they're a threatening side they're not a side that I'm sort of comfortable in playing. Uh, Luton, we've seen what they've done to us in the League Cup, but they still managed to pick up three points there away from home. It's a good three points. It sort of proves that, that there's no easy game, and these guys aren't going to be any pushovers. They really could be pushing for the playoffs. Um, they're not a team of sort of players you look at on pit on, the, on paper, other than Poin, Pro, Erv, Bowen and probably uh, De Silva, you sort of look at and think these are players that are wanting my side. But they're picking up the wins. They're playing some nice stuff. They look good. They're solid. They've not conceded a huge amount of goals. Um, yeah, they're a side that are going to be tough to break down, especially at home.
0: You mentioned Jared Bowen, very much the star man, and, and you know, possibility that we could have seen him in a Cardiff shirt. You know, strongly linked in January when we we're in the, the in the Premier League. Are you surprised to still we'll see him in Hull?
1: Not really. I think his future lies a bigger sort of place than a Cardiff City or I think Norwich were linked with him in the summer. I think when he does leave Hull, his future lies at a sort of a higher level. He sort of, you look at someone at like Bournemouth or sort of that sort of ilk as a player that you'd want, you'd see him go into more than relegation fodder or a newly promoted side. Um, he's a massively talented player. I know Arsenal were linked with him um, he's a special player that Hull will want to keep hold of as much as they can, and I think he's clever enough to know that jumping to the first promoted side is going to hurt him long term, than sort of sitting out and waiting for that correct move to come up. Um, I think there's a few in that side that could play at a high level, but I think he knows he's destined for that top half Premier League, not just sitting and waiting for hoping for a move from a relegation candidate team I think he's been quite smart with that to be honest
0: yeah and just you know, reading on his Wikipedia that he he had a, a trial at Cardiff and we decided not to um, not to pick him up when he when he was a youngster and kind of went to he- Hereford United and then made the jump from from them in the championship to to Haaland like I said a really exciting talented player that could you know cause plenty of, of problems for, for Cardiff fullbacks if, he, if he's on good form
1: oh yeah massively um he's a real threat can get assists can score goals he's sort of everything you want in a winger especially at this level um yeah it's sort of it says more about our scouting process at the time than anything else um you look at the players we've given up over the last few years um yeah just missing out on a player like that is huge he was at the club he was at he was on our doorstep and we for whatever reason thought he isn't going to make it he's gone to Hereford, did really well uh, My one of my best friends is a Hereford fan and he was buzzing when he got that move to Hull um, Yeah, and said he was going to be a special, special player and he's proven to be right um, it worries me that our scouts can't see our scouts, our scouts at the time couldn't see the potential in that player and how many other players have they missed out on um, but he's one that we've definitely missed out on, probably are going to regret going forward that we didn't pick up on while he was on trial.
0: Yeah, and another kind of ex-Cardiff man that that kind of did make the grade to some extent, kind of broke into the first team a little bit, is uh, Josh McGinnis, who you know a remarkable story at the time that kind of was on the books in the academy as a goalkeeper was then, you know transformed into a, a striker and, and kind of broke into the first team as a striker got a really bad injury didn't he have to show in a bit of bit of promise did he break his leg i think
1: yeah he broke his leg didn't he um sort of faded away from there marky mckay came in at a time where he was really looking to make a breakthrough yeah and it, scored and in it, the league
0: cup and it, you know made 10 appearances yeah, for us
1: and he was sort of part of that sort of classy sort of players like uh jesse darko nat jarvis you sort of thought right these are coming through our academy are they good enough to make the grade and going on they weren't um i think it sounds weird but he's not one that i was sort of angry that we let go i think if he had stayed at Cardiff, he wouldn't have turned out to the player that he's been played. i don't think he'd have made that he would have got that northern Ireland cap um, I don't. I certainly don't think he'd play championship level football right now. He needs to get away, play regular football, and understand his role in a club. He sort of suffered from sort of a jack of all trades, master of none for a long time. We put him up top, but he was sort of was he a striker? Wasn't he? I don't think the club were too sure. He sort of left Cardiff, and sort of said, look, I'm a striker. This is where I want to play, and that's really in his trade, sort of playing lower down. It's um it's really good to see him going on and doing really well for Northern Ireland and doing well for Hull. But um he's not one I sort of look about and think this is one that got away. It was sort of one that was right to move and worked out well for both parties, I think.
0: Yeah, I think more than anything the desire for him to do well perhaps was because of it, it was a great story, wasn't it? That that transformation. It's like on the yes, X Factor and- when they take the the solo acts and put them into a group, isn't it? Everyone loves to see that.
1: Well, they say everyone loves to see that on X Factor. Um I love we know to what see you, it. We, we We know what you get for on Saturday night, Scott. <laughs> That's um, all we need to know about you. Um, but yeah, it's um it's a great story, isn't it? Goalkeeper up to striker. It's sort of the opposite of what happened to me, to be honest. I realised I was crap going up front and played in goal. <laughs> um, yeah, stick with that boy in goal. But it's really good to see a player like that come through. And yeah, I don't think any Cardiff fan sort of sits back and thinks, what if? His goal-scoring record isn't spectacular at the Championship. I think, OK, he's not played for great sides, but he's obviously what he did for Bolton. He did all right. In League One, he did well for, I think, it was, was it Charlton he was at? Yeah,
0: he's got 20 goals in 81 games for Charlton.
1: That's not a bad record for a bloke that used to be in goal. No. Um, and he offers a lot more than that as well. I think um, one thing that goes underrated for him is his hold at play and sort of getting other players into the game. He might not have the greatest assist record, but... He brings players into the game really well and something that arguably is that something we could do with um, with Patterson playing in the 10 at the moment of getting more players into the game, holding the ball up well. Um, yeah, it's not one that I don't think realistically do you look back and think, what if? Is it one of those? I don't think I don't it is. think
0: so, no. No, but I mean, you could guarantee you'll score. You'll score oh yeah, or oh, I'm,
1: I will put three quid on it on Saturday to make sure it doesn't happen, to be honest. It's one of those. <laughs> um yeah, but no, nah, it's not one great to see him doing well. Really, actually, genuine one of those players that sort of you see move on. And you think, oh, go on, lad, do well. I hope you do do well. Um, from our youth side, it's just yeah, it's just a nice story to see him make his way back up the leagues and make it to the championship. But I think he's a bottom end championship striker, um, top end league one striker, sort of that in between.
0: Yeah, and on a side note, the the one that kind of. Looks like we did make a mistake in in not retaining his semi Ajay, who's doing really well at at West Brom. Did well at Rotherham, you know, one that we we let go before really ever seeing him in the in the first team. Um, after obviously we signed him from Arsenal, but doing really well at, Rother, at West Brom after a good spell at, at
1: Rotherham. Yeah, he's one of the most bizarre sort of situations at Cardiff. Um... Paul Trollope came in and pre-season, he played everything. I think he even wore the number six shirt um, for every pre-season game. And I really thought, right, this is his breakthrough year. He started, it was at Birmingham, our first game that season, started on the bench. And nothing really came for it from there. He's a player that when you look back, he's going to be one we really regretted letting go. When he played, I got down to a few under-21 games that year. And sort of it was the sort of time where I was really getting down with uni. Sort of, you finish at four o'clock, you've got a lot of free time on your hands. You can get down there and watch a bit of under-21s. It's not like it is now. <laughs> um, and he really stood out probably above any other player. And to see him go, I was really disappointed. Um, he needed to play first-team football and low moves to the right move. But I think we let, didn't. We let him go on a free transfer as well.
0: Yeah.
1: And sort of that's what really bugs me, and that sort of really shows the youth setup at the time really wasn't doing its job. He was good enough to play. He'd make it into our team now. He'd be playing. He, at the very least, he'd be playing with Curtis Nelson is, um, yeah. if not getting in ahead of Flint or Morrison. He's a quality player. He's a really top championship centre-back. He's big, he's quick, he can pass the ball, he um, can get the odd goal from corners. It's a really, he is, like you said, he's the one that really got away out of all the players in our league this year. It's
0: week, because I was just looking, so I was thinking, well, he must have been, Trollope must have let him go and thought, well, I want a more cultured rather than a, a kind of big centre-half. But it's actually Warnock that, that let him go, which you think, you know, Warnock would look at him and see a, a centre-half that would... Would kind of fit well into what he what he wants from a centre half, but yeah, Warnock we'll would let him go.
1: Yeah, it's strange. Neil Warnock doesn't seem to want to bring players through. I um, that's harsh, actually. I don't want to say he just want to bring players through, but he seems to feel more confident in giving players a chance from players that he's bought in from outside than players he's bought in from the under twenty ones, under twenty threes. Um, well,
0: unless let's not, you know. Warnock is guilty of it, but it's been a problem for Cardiff City for a number of years,
1: you know. Oh yeah, look, there's huge issues at the academy that are sort of being addressed now that haven't been addressed for years. This isn't a Warnock, this isn't a new issue that's sort of come in from Cardiff City. This has been since Darcy Blake, Joe Rolls, that sort of team came through. We've not produced anyone since then. Um, You look at where the money's gone, it's not gone from there. Sort of Peter Risdale, those sort of team, those sort of owners came in and sort of pulled the funding away from the academy. At the time when a player's uh, the route from the academy to the first team was very clear. Since then, it's become a lot more muddled. Joe Ross has probably been the only player that's made the breakthrough. Um, yeah, it's, it's-
0: Andrew because I mean I think we're you know a similar age, and I'm sure when you first started going down. Cardiff, there was, you know, everyone from the likes of Ernie and and Gabs and, you know, that type of person to then, you know, um, Ledley coming through and Ramsey, that type of generation. And, you know, Cardiff always had a pretty good track record of bringing through good young players at the time. And like I said, the last person other than, than Joe Rolls, who, you know, obviously was bought into the academy. I can't really think of anyone that's... You know, Declan John, but he wasn't particularly... That successful at Cardiff, Mark, was he? so
1: Mark Harris probably is the only one that in recent times that sort of given the breakthrough. Yeah, uh, Kieran Brown, another one that sort of had the chance. Yeah, it's um, when I started, it was sort of James Collins was sort of coming through, and was sort of the player on every sort of fans' lips of coming through from the academy. Because I think we brought Gabs in from West Brom. Yeah, if I remember course, right, yeah, sort yeah, of, of breakthrough. Breakthrough. Collins was the one that came to the academy at that time when I sort of getting into the city at the time. Um, yeah, it's one of those. We used to be... We used to laugh at the Jacks at looking at the Wales squad and saying, yeah, we bought that player through, we bought that player through. And now it's sort of turned the other way around. They really invested a lot. Like We can give them grief for what they did in the Premier League in the end, how they went out of it, their owners selling their sort of... Yeah, sod it. Selling their soul to make the American buck. Their owners sold... Everything that club sold for to make the American buck. But the one thing they continued to do was invest in their youth program. They made progress into the valleys. They made it into Neath, which used to be a, pretty much a Cardiff development stronghold. They, Christ, they even made it to Pontypridd and Brecon. Um, that, that sort of says everything about the, how far they pushed in. It used to be Cardiff City, sort of um, summer academies in bracken where i grew up it was always cardiff city we're hosting things at the ledge center on the astroturf um swansea made the premier league after two years it was swansea city making those breakthroughs sort of holding those academies and they they've picked up a lot of good players and i don't think they're done reaping the rewards from that i really don't i think there's a lot more to come from their academy there's a lot of kids that are probably Probably 10 to 13 right now that sort of picked up on that Premier League promise that have gone through from sort of mid Wales right through to South Wales that um, Swansea have really invested in and really sort of looked at and assessed to bring their academy. Um, They're still category one. I know they were talking possibly last season about dropping it to a category three, which being the worst thing they could have done. But um, yeah, they've really invested well, whereas we sort of taken for granted the sort of history of our academy and just let it sort of rot and sort of fall massively behind where they are, where Bristol are, where teams in the sort of region are. I know we have a night with Southampton coming in and sort of picking our players because they're category one. We lost um, Rabi Matundo to Man City who are a category one academy when we should, there's no reason why Cardiff City shouldn't be a category one academy. We've got the facilities. I know the Vale, and with the training grant development, we're looking to get that status. But it should have happened a long time ago. The money's been there. And uh, we've really missed out on an important and sort of valuable um, finance resource by putting these players in and sort of bringing them through and selling them on for a high, high price.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we could do a, a whole a whole podcast on uh, on that. But uh, we don't want to too long. So, Ben, what is your uh, score prediction for the whole game on Saturday?
1: Oh, I think this gonna be a tough one. Um you look at on paper, would a draw be a decent result for us and I think it would, but um I think the way we played, we're looking to get those sort of that sort of runner of games. now. We're five unbeaten, but we've not really put a consecutive win. Oh, I think we're six unbeaten now, aren't we? Uh I think so, yeah. Yeah, so six six unbeaten, I think, but we haven't really put together consecutive wins. Um, I think this is a game that Neil Warnock can decide side really be targeting to put together a consecutive win. So um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory. What about you?
0: Perfect. I think it's going to be a really tough game. I'm going to go 1-1 draw. Um, I just can't see us pushing for the win. Uh, you know, we're quite conservative on the road. Yeah. So, I think, so like I said, I think a draw is a decent result, although we would would like to to win. Um, the focus then obviously quite quickly turns to qpr and you know the beauty or the uh the pain as you know maybe some of the players might think of the championship is you know games and quick concession and we're kind of getting into the start of of the midweek games aren't we and qpr at home they've had a really good start to to the season haven't they you know they're in fifth on 16 points um surprising how well they've done actually for me
1: yeah they're sort of the really surprise package um it was sort of the side that you thought you don't think they're going to go down, but you don't think they're going to go up. But they've had a really, really strong start, like you said, in fifth place. Um, it's a tough one. It really is. They're sort of a side that you really didn't think anything from. You sort of, I don't know if you li- listen to Atletico Mints, but the sort of Tony Fernandez sort of picture in the 15th place as their dream finish. <laughs> That's sort of where you picture QPR these days. Um and yeah, a strong start like that, look, they're gonna really want to try and get three points at the Cardiff City Stadium. They're not they're gonna be looking for that playoffs now building off that start. They've got a nice young squad that probably aren't full of superstars, but they're hard workers, they're grafters, they're sort of everything sort of Neil Warnock looks at as a um side in the Cardiff City side, they're sort of doing that sort of role really, aren't they?
0: Yeah, and you know, a good manager in Mark Warburton who's had some, you know, a good spell at Brentford, didn't he? And no know, McSpell at, at Rangers, kind of knows the championship fairly well. And you go through the squad and some, you know, recognisable names of either solid championship players or kind of mid to lower table Premier League experienced players like so Jeff Cameron, who was obviously at Stoke in the Premier League for a while. Naki Wells and Jordan Hugels, you know, started well for them. Five goals in, in eight matches and you know, some some players that could cause some some trouble. And one of the ones that, that is particularly exciting is, um, I'm going to shorten his first name to Ebbe, Ebbe I'm going to call him, uh, because I have no idea how you pronounce his first name. Um, is, but, you know, a really bright young talent scored a really good goal, I think, on the opening day of the season, didn't he? And, you know, someone that could really, really cause some damage for Cardiff.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest signings for them is um, Naki Wells, um, a, cha- a proven championship goal scorer sort of did all right at Premier League sort of a signing that was sort of surplus to requirements of Burnley that you know is going to get goals I think it's a really clever buy um yeah I think the what the, they spent money in the right place they know that you're not going to get promoted without scoring goals in the championship these days and that's sort of where they spent the money and that's why they're in fifth now I think snarky well scored two three goals um there are the strikers who scored two or three goals they sort of they're not smashing goals in, but they're getting enough to you'd be very surprised if Narkie Wells was fit and last the rest of the season not score 10-15 goals. Yeah. It's sort of a very smart buy. It's clever buys for not huge money that sort of they're reaping the rewards for now. They weren't conceding a huge amount of goals last season. They sort of knew they had a solid-ish defence to build on and knew they weren't scoring enough. And you look at how they've addressed that and you can't fault the um recruitment policy narky wells is certainly a player that if we had signed him in, in in the summer i would not have been disappointed with at all mm-hmm. um yeah i think they've done well and that sort of proves why they are where they are
0: yeah and you know some of the defensive players that Johan Barbet from from brentford who is an interesting center half in that from whenever i've seen him and I, you know i listen to not the top 20 podcast a little bit and they're always talking about him in that he can be a very very good centre half but can also you know he's got a few slip-ups in him so you know that might be an area that Cardiff can put a bit of pressure on and it Welsh international Matt Smith's on loan there as well um I'm not sure if he's actually played any games so far or three games in the championship and two in the in the league cup scored a goal in the league cup so you know some interesting interesting players there and you know, when we get into the midweek games, Ben, you know this is where the squad rotation has to has to come in, doesn't it? And I'd I'd imagine that for Hull, the squad would or the team, providing that it's fit, and that's probably for Bogle if he's if he's got over his bug, would largely remain the same. But it's coming into this QPR game, you might see some changes, mightn't you? The likes of Tomlin coming into the ten, maybe Mendes, Lang, and hoylett getting some minutes, and and maybe even Will Vokes or Marlon Pack if if he's fit
1: yeah this is the sort of game I see pack being more valuable than probably the whole game um, same with Tomlin I think Tomlin is a player that's going to feature feature regularly for Cardiff at the Cardiff City Stadium but I don't see him having much huge impact away from home the way we set up um, yeah there's a lot of players that QPR have that you sort of look at and you think this it's a solid side we're going to have to be at our best and play well and like you said the rotation is a huge thing To sort of bring the best out of them, you've got Angarangel that sort of knows the championship. They've got, um, they've got a really good mix of young, exciting players, and sort of that senior championship experience and know what it gets to get out of that league. I think they're going to surprise a few people. I think they could well be around the championship playoff places uh, come May. Um, Yeah, it's just not an easy game. It's not one of those ones I sort of look at and think that's an easy three points. Um, If you have looked at the start of the season, it's one of those games I thought we'd have won comfortably, but seeing how they've bonded, seeing how they've gelled, and seeing how they're playing, suddenly becomes a lot more of a challenge. I think Neil Warnock would appreciate that and sort of look to look at a way of breaking that team down and bringing players like Pack in, looking at dropping Patterson for someone like Tomlin to create that bit of creative spark, just to get that one goal that can seal it and bring on a bit of a run.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they said a, a real test. But the last time we faced QPR in the Championship at the Cardiff City Stadium, at least it was a 2-1 win. Junior Hoylet and Sol Bamber grabbing the goals against Alex Smithies, who was in goal for them. And Stephen Corker at centre-half as well. And How do you see this one going, Ben? What's your score prediction?
1: Um, I'm going to go for a one all draw, to be honest. I'm not massively optimistic. You look at Hugels, a very good sign-in on loan from West Ham. They've got some solid players like Matt Smith that we talked about, and uh, Luke Amos on loan from Spurs, who have done really well since they've come in. And then you've got solid players like Grant Hall, that are just solid Championship players. Zango Rangel, um, yeah, it's a tough game. It's not sort of one of those ones that you sort of looked at in the bottom half Championship side that aren't really in danger of going down or going up anymore. They're sort of they're looking now to kick on and get that playoffs. So you've got Warburton, who's a very experienced championship manager did well. At, well, did all right at Rangers while he was there. Um Yeah, I think a one all. I think is a fair result.
0: Absolutely right. I think it would be a good result. I think a home game. I think we've got to be targeting a win. Although they've done well, you know they start the season well. We've got to be winning the the home games, which we have you know, a good record at home so far this season. So I think particularly if we draw at Hull, I think, you know, we'll be going in for three points here. And I think yeah, a 2-0 win I'm going for.
1: I think the whole game is massive on how we set up for this game afterwards. Um, if we lose or pick up a point at Hull, then I think the team looks different to if we picked up a comfortable three points at Hull. Um, it's sort of one of those. It's hard, really hard to predict a Tuesday night game not knowing what's going on on the Saturday. Yeah. If it's a comfortable win, then I think, yeah, it's a different sort of look. If you can get four points from your midweek and sort of your Saturday and midweek games, you're looking good for the championship title. You're looking good to be in the playoffs. Whereas if you've lost that game or you've only got a point, then suddenly it becomes a must win.
0: Absolutely. Well, Ben, we'll leave it there for this week. Thanks so much for for joining us and, uh, and for listening once again and if you've got any questions or, or want to find out what we're doing make sure to follow us at vftnninian or viewfromtheninion.com Cheers Ben Yeah
1: definitely Cheers mate Take care